Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. All characters during the show, such as Donatella Iglesias, Jimmy Coconuts, and Tyler Jerry are copywritten and are satirical. Any similarity to any persons living or dead is completely coincidental. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. Hey guys, this is Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. We're going to talk about a super important subject, something that's that I dream about every night, which is aging, mortality, immortality, death. We have a lot of old Democrats right now, and so we have to discover, is there a way to keep them alive through even a single term? <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be useful. Uh, <laughs> it depends on which one it is. <laughs> but this could also be used for evil. Donald Trump could listen to this pod and use our secrets. Oh, that's true. Because Sean is going to release some secrets. Yeah, I'm going to try. Me. So this is going to be a two-parter. And so this... Uh, it's a lot to talk about. Right. Age-old question. This initial part is going to talk about what is aging. You'd be surprised. Well, yeah. So what do you think aging is? Like, what uh, does aging mean to you? Uh, I guess, like, as you get old... Um, you like skin sags and you get mm. crow's feet that yeah. are deeper and you're more likely to get diseases. Mm-hmm. You, you'll forget things and yeah. you eventually just kind of croak. Yeah. Cause you know, I think for some people, the way that they think about aging is just like, it's the passage of time yeah. and, and that's inevitable. Well, but what if time is a flat circle? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what an inhabitant back now. <laughs> Thank you, McConaughey. That yeah. was beautiful. Well delivered. And so in that sense, like, oh, kids age into adulthood and everything like that, right? Right. But that's not really the kind of aging anybody gives a shit about. When we right. talk about aging that people care about, we're talking about the shitification of human beings. It's like the, Is the, that like an Egyptian <laughs> term or did you just see shit to me? Yeah, I could tell. Yeah, uh, it was I a, thought it was just silt accumulating on the Nile. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure what you were talking about. Yeah, similar to sedimentation. Right. Shitification. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you could cover it in shit. Yeah, and it is this slide into decrepitude that mm. I think people are most worried about. And mm. that's the thing that people want Dude, to decrepititty. <laughs> is the most beautiful Egyptian queen. <laughs> Okay. One of the reasons I'm really looking forward to this episode is that every two weeks I read some other pop science article that's like, this jellyfish lives forever. This Czechoslovakian lives forever. You know, whatever. This octopusy. So what is it about aging that is actually curable? Or we can actually overcome? We shall not grow old, Sean. How are we not going to grow old? Yeah, that's beautiful. So let's get into it. Do we have to age? And I think that the idea... Yes. <laughs> well, so <laughs> it's complicated because there are like fucking ginkgo trees out there that are like greater than a thousand years old. And uh, Yeah, but ginkgo trees do not pick the apple and eat the apple, Sean. Okay. Uh, so ew. they don't have to age. 
Jeez. Is that <laughs> they, an Adam and Eve ever? They are not ashamed of their nakedness, the ginkgo uh, tree. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> then, then it'd be torturous because they can't control their leaves. But see, here's the thing is that there was this study recently. Right? So, like, there are some really old-ass ginkgo trees. Okay, yes. Okay? But scientists did a study where they looked at the cells in these ginkgo trees, and they found that the ones that were 1,000 years old and the ones that are, like, 10 years old have pretty much indistinguishable cells. Oh, that's weird. As far as, like, any metric we have for aging. So, just goes to show that the sort of thought that there is kind of this inevitability and that things have to get worse and things eventually will break down does not necessarily hold up across all of life. Well, wait, though. I want to examine this point. Yeah. If you took, I mean, really, though, if you took, like, the cell of a baby and the cell of a 90-year-old, yeah. it wouldn't be that different, right? They'd be pretty different. Oh, it would? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, first of all... So it, what? what's so fucked up about us? Right. That's, that's the episode. That is an excellent segue, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the thing is that there are nine kind of markers of aging, biologically speaking. Okay. So number one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was a fun sound. So number one is genomic instability. And so your genome is your DNA, right? And it's got all your genes on it. And instability means it starts to go poopy. Right. right? You can imagine your double helix and it's like. <laughs> and stuff starts falling off it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the accumulation of mutations in a lot of these genes and a lot of the parts of your DNA that are not necessarily genes but control how well those genes get read. Okay. You start to have just like whole parts of your chromosomes pop off and just like fall apart. Jeez. And so there's a lot of different ways that we know that that's related to aging. For example, there is a disease called progeria. Yeah, that's like um, it's like a young people who look way older than they're supposed to, right? Yeah, yeah. What, wasn't there somebody with progeria in the movie Akira? Oh, oh, that's a, I mean, my reference is that there's a South African artist for a while who had progeria. And I say for a while <laughs> because they tend to pass away pretty young. Right, because it is a rapid aging disease. And in that, basically, there's just one mutation that can happen in the zygote before the embryo is even formed, right? So, like, the sperm and the egg come together, you have a little zygote, one mutation happens, and that makes it so that this protein that's used to make the nucleus in a cell, that's where the DNA gets housed, that protein gets fucked up. God, don't drink and drive. What the shit? What, you saying that's bad advice? <laughs> no, I mean, that's good advice. Sean doesn't... wants you to drink and drive, <laughs> That people. has fucking nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Well, how do you think the mutation happened? Someone was drinking and driving. <laughs> no. It's just random chance. It's just random chance. And basically their uh, nuclei get all messed up. And so the mm. DNA doesn't get kind of housed properly. Wow. And that is sufficient to cause progeria and cause this rapid aging. Damn. And so but it still doesn't happen very often. It's like a pretty rare disease, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a rare disease, but the main point of that is that it kind of illustrates how it kind of mimics the idea of aging because they have this premature aging. And so you could imagine right. in actually old people that they might have similar issues in their cells. Right. So this disease is useful proof that the instability structurally of your genetics, right. your genome, can yeah. really fuck you up. Because, I mean, these people are passing away in like their teens from like a stroke or a heart attack or something. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. Stacy looks so concerned. Don't worry, Stacy. I don't have progeria. I'm going to be all right. Yeah, okay. look at you. you. You're in your 20s, baby. That's true. Looking good. Feeling my 40s, <laughs> but I don't have progeria. Just a bad lifestyle. Kind of final point on genome instability. It's also a hallmark of cancer. 
uh, and obviously getting cancer can cut your lifespan pretty seriously. Well, so, that yeah. makes sense, right? Because the whole point of cancer cells is that they're mutating a whole shit ton, right? So it's like structurally you'd get unstable. Right. Okay. Number two. Number two is sort of related. It's telomere attrition. I wrote a whole script about telomeres once. Oh, yeah? It's called Osmosis Jones 7. <laughs> <laughs> Rage Against the Age. Oh, my God. <laughs> Osmosis Jones is your Rickroll. You get me like every single time. <laughs> yeah. I never see it coming. It's just, it's funny how we're brothers and we're only four years apart and yet Osmosis Jones has like so much more featured in my worldview I than don't yours. think I've seen it. What? <laughs> I forget every episode you haven't seen it. <laughs> Holy shit. Anyway, so do you know what telomeres are then? Yeah, they're like the little dudes that maybe cause aging. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? That's as good as you got. This whole episode's <laughs> about aging, and I bring up telomeres. That's, that's the best definition you have? The, yeah, it is. That's all I got. <laughs> so telomeres are the DNA region at the end of your chromosomes. So, you know, your chromosome, if it's shaped like an X or whatever, right, that means that there's going to be four ends right. to that. And at each one of those ends is a telomere. The thing about the way that DNA gets replicated. So every time your cell divides, it needs to make all new DNA to go into the new daughter cell and everything. Every time that the cell divides your DNA up and replicates it, the telomeres actually get a little bit shorter just because of the way that DNA replicates. Bummer. Okay. And one could imagine that if they just kept getting shorter and shorter, eventually you get to some part of your chromosome you care about. Or the chromosomes would have so much lost at their ends that you'd start to see really goofy shit happen, like your cells thinking that it's damaged DNA and trying to repair it and doing all kinds of terrible things. Okay. So. I think I remember the reason I heard about these is that lobsters have like 18,000 tel telomeres <laughs> in the back pocket in one little claw. <laughs> there is an enzyme called telomerase, and telomerase will re-lengthen telomeres. So it'll kind of make them longer again kind of staving off the issue, right? Okay. So there are some animals, like lobsters, that restore their telomeres using telomerase. And so their chromosomes never really get shorter. And if we do the same kind of thing in mice, if we turn on the telomerase in mice using genetic engineering, those mice can live longer. That's cool. So it's kind of thought like, okay, maybe that, there's a little something there, right? A lot of cancer cells have telomerase turned on so that they can restore their telomeres. Okay, um, well, wait a minute. That's some bullshit. So what? cancer cells know how to do that, but our own cells don't do that? Yeah, so we have the enzyme. It's just we turn it off after kind of the early development part of our lives. Except for maybe in some stem cells. That sounds like some unintelligent design right there. Like, that sounds like a really douchey god well, yeah. that did that. Yeah, bring it up with the big guy upstairs. It's not my fault. Like, why haven't we already done human trials on this? Because it's genetic engineering. We just haven't got there yet. Well, about Christmas? <laughs> I thought we could CRISPR guys now. So I do think that CRISPR could potentially be used to turn on telomerase. Sean, I just don't want to die. <laughs> we need to figure this out fast. Okay. I can tell we're not quite there yet. So one thing I do want to say is that telomere loss is sometimes brought up in intro bio classes or like in some kind of bio class in college or something as like a hook to get students interested it's not necessarily as important as right. pop science would imply. Right. There are some animals where if you turn on telomerase and you have them kind of grow out these telomeres longer, the amount of their lifespan you can increase is pretty negligible. Maybe people who live to be 100 would live to be like 105 or something. It's really not kind of the 
immortality thing that sometimes it's pitched mm. as. But lobsters are immortal. And they've got telomerase up the kazooty. Yeah, lobsters are a little complicated. They're sort of immortal e, but they're like elves from Lord of the Rings. Like they're immortal, but not in the good way because uh, they can get stabbed by someone. Right, they can get stabbed. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other problem is that lobsters molt. They're crustaceans, oh. so they have their hard shell. Right. And the older a lobster is, the bigger it gets, and bigger lobsters have a harder time molting because their shells are so thick and heavy. Right. So lobsters eventually die of, quote-unquote, old age, but it's because molting becomes unsuccessful. Wow, so they just try to molt, and they just don't make it. Yep. And then probably while they're defenseless, something just eats them. Yep. That's pretty cool. That's why old age would be in quotes there, right? Isn't like that kind of basically humans, too, though? It's like humans basically just get older and older till like, they can't get out of bed, and then someone stabs them? Well, they're defenseless. <laughs> uh, that's... <laughs> like, that's how nursing homes work, uh, right? That might be like <laughs> like English kings and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a monarchical succession. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I think otherwise we actually do get progressively shittier as time goes on. Sure, whereas they don't necessarily get progressively shittier. It's the external factor of their shell being heavy and right. them getting bigger. Because they keep getting bigger and bigger and just at some point... Their genes are the same yep. and are fine. Yep. That's a design flaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. All right, you're going to give me your funky sound again? Oh, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> thank you. Step three, bitch. <laughs> number three. Yeah, number three, epigenetic alterations. You guys remember epigenetics? Yeah, you fucking better. That was not a fake episode. It's come back. Yeah, see? Uh, the thing about epigenetics is, like we said, that's kind of all of the stuff you can do to influence what genes get read and everything besides actual mutations. And so definitely, as you age, you change what epigenetic modifications you have. So why can't we epigenetically defuck ourselves? Why does epigenetics accelerate the fucking of self? Like, why can't we epigenetically repair our DNA? Yeah, does it we, only make it worse? We should be able to. And in a certain sense, almost all of these things that I'm talking about, telomeres and epigenetic alterations... You know, when a sperm and egg come together, you might imagine, like, well, shouldn't they have all the leftover shittiness of, like, the old person that made the sperm and the egg? Right. Like, shouldn't each generation have shorter and shorter telomeres or some kind of stuff? Right. But the fact is, at some point, we have this thing where telomerase turns back on. All of the epigenetics are wiped back out. The slate gets wiped clean again. It doesn't completely get wiped clean, though, right? Because it wasn't... In there's the a little... Right. There's a little bit of stuff that's left over, but... But as much as possible. Right, it's a pretty broad kind of turning back the clock. Technically, our cells have within them the capability of turning back a lot of these epigenetic alterations. Right. We can do it. Just for whatever reason, a, a wiser intelligence above us decided to keep them off. It was probably... maybe we would build the Tower of Babel! <laughs> In this case, the Tower of Babel might be cancer. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so basically, at a certain point, gamma rays are just going to hit us enough that, like, we would get cancer and mutate anyway. Some people think that aging and cancer are sort of counterbalancing things. That, like, the longer you live, the more likely something's going to happen to cause cancer and make you die. And that aging is a process that happens because of all of these safeguards we've tried to build in to stop cancer from happening. Oh, that's interesting. Like locking cells into a certain development path and then making it so they don't divide anymore and all kinds of shit like that. Huh. Um, so the reason we get old is we are kind of the victims. We're in the no man's land between aging and cancer. Maybe. Maybe. I've heard other sort of similar but slightly different arguments about that, trying to explain why we bother aging at all. But uh, we'll get into those in a little okay, bit. Okay, whatever. Vis-a-vis epigenetics, you were going to tell me about blowhole whales, right? <laughs> tell me tell me why blowholes <laughs> elucidate the subject. Well, okay, so blow... Uh, fuck, I, 
God damn it, you just made me do it too. <laughs> bowhead whales. Yeah. Bowhead. Bowhead. <laughs> are the longest lived mammals that we've been able to find. Besides Methuselah. <laughs> uh, how long was so, Methuselah? Was he like a thousand years or something? Yeah, I mean, way longer than that. But so, <laughs> amongst modern mammals. Yes, yes, the ones around right now. Bowhead whales clock in at over 200 years. That's pretty old. They have these differences in like how they metabolize fatty acids and their signaling through insulin. The way that they use fatty acids is sort of reminiscent of like a ketogenic diet, which I don't want to like. Dude, don't do it. Ketogenic. <laughs> anyway, they have these differences in their genome compared to some shorter lived mammals that duplicate a lot of DNA repair genes and a lot of genes that do epigenetic stuff that can help turn back some of the epigenetic changes. Of course, none of these epigenetic changes can help them survive the ocean getting warmer by two degrees Celsius. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> probably won't be around. so fuck them. But listen, here's the thing is that the, what I was just saying about like, maybe some of these are safeguards right. against cancer. You might then expect, oh, maybe bowhead whales have more cancer then. <laughs> it's like a weird fucking bowhead. Like, ah! yeah. <laughs> Except they don't. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Frustratingly, bowhead whales actually probably have a little bit less cancer than humans do. So what the fuck is our problem? But they also have a little less cell phones next to their head, right? Like, <laughs> like they've got a little less microwave. And <laughs> they've got a little less of Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's that. Maybe it's that. Because cancer rates have gone up in the last, like, whatever, 70 years. Do you think that's just because people are older now, so there's more time for cancer? Or do you think it's because of all the wackadoodle stuff that's like, all the chemicals, Sean, all the, all the asbestos? Yeah, so as I mentioned a little bit in the cancer episode, yeah. it is not because of extra stuff. It's pretty much all explained by people getting older. So that's what Sean wants you to believe. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. One way. Bum, 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 bum. Number four. Remember, of nine. <laughs> we, uh, loss of protopo. What? I can't say this word, Sean. So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll do number four, which is uh, the loss of proteostasis. My name is Tyler Jerry, and if you're like me, you've enjoyed the app Badger for sex. Now, we're introducing a new feature where you can get some pets fucked too. I don't know about that, sir. I'm having bad. Okay, well, when I say that, I mean you can hire animals to have sex with your pet, as in for breeding purposes, or, or pleasure, hypothetically. No, of course I don't mean your pleasure. This app isn't for people having sex with animals. That's bestiality, and Tyler Jerry doesn't swing that way. Of course, if people have sex with animals, what am I supposed to do about that? No, God damn it! I, I don't think people will have sex with animals. Just if they do, that's not on me. You know how boys are with their jimmies. They'll stick it in anything. What are you sticking it into? Oh, enough of this! Just download Badger and get your pets laid by other pets for breeding between themselves. Okay, guys, you're back with Petri Dish and bom, 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 bom. Right now we're going to talk about step four. Loss of proteostasis. Okay, proteostasis, the proteo part is protein, and stasis is talking about keeping things the same, the right balance of proteins. And so it's about maintaining the proteins in your cells, outside of your cells, within your tissues, all that stuff. Proteins need to fold, and they fuck up folding a lot. Right, yeah. As, uh, you know, that proteins are sometimes dum-dums about folding correctly, and so you have to use things called chaperone proteins to help them fold right. Yeah, just like a, a prom, 
right? <laughs> Kids are trying to bang, get pregnant, okay? Yeah. You need a chaperone there to get in on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> it's to keep them from doing the naughty touch. Gotta stop that. Yeah, and so look, another thing is that sometimes you can have sort of shitty proteins that have been around for too long. They've gotten kind of degraded a little bit. And it makes it so that they aren't folding very well, or they can cause kind of clumps inside of cells. There's, in Alzheimer's disease, a hypothesis called the tau hypothesis and the amyloid hypothesis, which is that Alzheimer's comes from these aggregates of protein. It's also why prion diseases might be dangerous is because these little prion guys can go around and sort of make aggregates with right. one another. Quartzfield Yakob. Yeah. Mad wow. cow disease. That was good. So... We want to be able to take the used up, shitty, kind of degraded proteins. We want to break them down all the way and get them out of the way, recycle them into bits that we can make new proteins with. And we want to make sure that there are enough chaperones around to make sure all the new proteins get folded properly. Where do we do recycling? Like, does our body have a China part where we, like, send all the proteins we need to recycle? <laughs> or is, do we just, like, have to do it in Santa Monica? Yeah, so there's a proteasome, and that's an organelle in your cells. Oh, cool. That is the China. Unless you get older, and then the proteasome doesn't work as well, and China stops taking your recycling. Man, the proteins who have to take the other proteins... That job is hard. You get like a buck for like seven pounds of other protein. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> As you get older, the level of chaperones in your cells goes down. And the amount of proteasome kind of degradation that goes on also goes down. Even though you have plenty of proteins to degrade at that point. Huh. Yeah, they just seem to get shittier at it. Well, give me some of these animal examples of weirdos. Yeah, so there's this animal called the turquoise killifish, and they live in, like, these uh, rainwater ponds. They're, like, dry most of the year, and then every once in a while it rains. Yeah, how do fuckers like that even live? Because I feel like in, like, biology videos, they always do the first part where they're like, this frog lives in this pond that's dry most of the year. And you're like, well, how do they live? And then they cut to, like, a different animal. And you're like, what the fuck, man? What is it like when there's no rain? Yeah, they have these eggs that are desiccation resistant, so they, they don't dry. And so they kind of stay wet while there's no water, and then the water comes, and the little fish hatch out, and they live for like three months. So like they don't bother having uh, chaperones, basically. Oh they, wow! They just like don't give a shit. They don't live long enough for it to matter. <laughs> yeah. So their chaperones are like super dog shit versions of chaperones that they just like don't care about doing it properly. Yeah, I mean, what's even the point of life at that point? Right? I know that's a good fucking question. There is no intelligent design. <laughs> exactly. It's all just a big nothing, man. <laughs> so fucking um, clams. What yes. about clams? The black clam. Which is just a clam you can buy and eat. I think that's a prog rock album. <laughs> right. The uh, blackest of the clams. <laughs> you know. uh, Arctica Islandica is the longest lived non-colonial animal that has ever been confirmed. Okay, so non-colonial, like, just like random Iroquois running around. <laughs> <laughs> like the British never fucked it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The British um, never fucked this no, clam. <laughs> it's not like a sponge or something, which is a colony of things living together. Oh, I right? see. Okay. It's so, like a discrete entity. Right. And these discrete clams, the oldest one that they found so far is 507 years old. Discrete clam is the sequel to that first product <laughs> album. Discrete clam. <laughs> <laughs> so, so far... We're not totally sure why they can live so long. They but just do. They seem to have cell membranes that are resistant to oxidative damage. Mm. And they have very strong proteostasis. So their proteins seem to be very stable. They don't misfold very often. Their chaperones are really good. 
and they do a good job of if any proteins start to get a little wonky, they break it down really quickly. See, why is Bloomberg and Steyer spending like $100 million on like politics? And they can spend $100 million on clams, baby. Immortality, bitch. Go to Mars after that. Right. That's why, uh, what's those dudes' names that were doing Alphabet and Google? What are those guys? I'd... Sergey Brin and something, something or Google? Oh, Larry, Larry, Larry David? Larry Page. <laughs> yeah. She... I actually think it is a Larry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right, yeah. You're right. Yeah, those dudes, Alphabet has a company where, like, their whole thing is, like, they have colonies of naked mole rats to try to figure out how they live and do their thing. Which we're going to get into naked mole rats later. Yeah. For you Kim Possible fans. <laughs> yes. Wow. Good job. <laughs> okay. So, guys, not only are we to a fifth topic, but these next ones are a whole separate category of weirdness. Sean, tell me about it. Yeah, so these are antagonistic hallmarks or things where there's kind of this dysregulation that goes on, this dysfunction. And so number five is deregulated nutrient sensing. And so the idea here is that insulin signaling, growth hormone signaling seems to be related to aging a lot. And so uh, it's maybe one of the reasons why obesity is also really strongly linked to aging. And why people with diabetes live very long. Whoops. <laughs> the insulin signals a certain way. Wrong. <laughs> oh, and they die very young. Yes. Um, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. What about like a person who's healthy and happens to have diabetes? Like they need insulin shots, but they're like, do you know how some people have diabetes from being obese and other people just have diabetes for weird reasons? Yeah. So there are ways that having messed up insulin signaling can cause you to die earlier. Wow. So deregulated nutrient sensing is the one that the idea of caloric restriction as a cure kind of comes from. So I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a lot of billionaires and stuff like that. A lot of rich people who want to live forever. And one of the ideas is to eat less food. Right. And that if you just take fewer calories in, you have fewer sort of insulin spikes from changes in your blood glucose level. And all in all... It kind of seems like it might make things live longer. When we say kind of maybe makes things live longer, like how many studies substantiate that? Is this like one of those things that there's two cool studies that are pretty good and maybe it's the case? Or is this like 15 years of research? Right. So it depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about people, we do not have very many good studies. Right. If you're talking about almost any other kind of thing, we actually have a lot of really good studies. Okay. And they... In those studies, it suggests caloric restriction works very well. Okay, so, oh, guys, this is the magic thing. Caloric restriction. You'll live longer. So we'll have an episode on caloric restriction, but I will say that in these really good tests that they've done on things ranging from nematodes to mice to non-human primates, the amount of caloric restriction that they're chopping off is like a lot of times almost half the number of calories that, like, you want to take in during the day to feel... Good. Satisfied. Okay. So very hungry. Very, very hungry. <laughs> and there's probably some, like, gurus and shit out in India who, like, meditate and stuff like that. They've already they, been like, doing that. Yeah, yeah. I saw Little Buddha. Right. Ken Reeves is like, man, have that bowl of rice. Right. But for some people, it sucks. It sucks big time. So it, yeah, it's, I don't it's, like it. It's a little hard for me to recommend the kind of caloric restriction that's in those studies for animals to just people. Right. right. 
Um, but again, we'll That's talk about it more. We have an episode. This is not a food diet medical podcast. Right. And yeah. this isn't the episode for it anyway. We're going to have a different one. Go. Cool. Okay. So, next uh, next thingy. Bah, 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 bah. Mitochondrial dysfunction. Yeah. So, the mitochondria, as you are fond of saying, are the powerhouses of the cell. Right. And this one's almost like if your dad's a breadwinner, but then he starts drinking and beating everybody in the house. <laughs> Right, it's really bad. <laughs> so, so just it's the mitochondria are your dad in this case. Yeah, and in a more traditional household. <laughs> <laughs> and oh yeah, sure, dad one, or mom, a one-income household. Right. Yes. Yes. So whoever the breadwinner is, and then they kind of get worse and worse over the years, right? Like the they've been passed over some, for some big promotions. Right. They took it really hard. Their DNA's fraying a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So because mitochondria have the electron transport chain and they're doing all of this work to make energy, they are also major producers of reactive oxygen species. Mm. Reactive oxygen species are little oxygen atoms that are missing an electron and are kind of zipping around. Right. They're trying to get another electron into their cloud. Right. And they got a lot of energy. And so they can basically bond to any kind of molecule they All sorts they run of shit into. it's not supposed to bond into. Right. Exactly. So reactive It's like a drunk guy on a cruise ship just trying to <laughs> bond with something. I mean, we met a few of those guys. Like <laughs> yeah. Sean's wife a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that guy was a reactive oxygen Real species. Real handsy. He probably um, had gout. <laughs> So reactive oxygen species are one of the reasons why people talk about antioxidants a lot. Because right. antioxidants are supposed to basically sacrifice themselves to reactive oxygen species. They can take several hits. Remind me, what's a good example? Like, what do people consume that's high in antioxidants? Well, vitamin C is a really common antioxidant. So that is an antioxidant, oh, yeah. and then you eat stuff that has vitamin C in it, right? Right, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. oranges. Right, exactly. All right, cool. Yeah. Or sometimes people will rub vitamin C on their skin or something because they want the Does antioxidant. Does that work? Uh, I've never gotten the rub on skin stuff in general, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. Because it's like, isn't the whole point of skin is that it doesn't get in there? I appreciate what you're saying. And we're going to have a skin episode with a skin <laughs> biologist coming in. Very sexy. And they're going to be an expert. And then that means I get to be stupid and you get to be stupider. So it's going to be like really good. I'll be smarter than you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring it out for that episode. I like it. History of skin. Yeah, you're going to impress Matilde, who will be our guest. So mitochondria, as they get older, they get progressively leakier in that they kind of Gross. lose more and more of these reactive oxygen species out into Just the like an abusive cell. father. I thought, Leaky. unfortunately, you were very on point with that. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is that there's a lot of kind of ideas on what you could do about that. So I get some goop in there. Yeah. So some people think it's like, hey, what if we just take infinite antioxidants and like super antioxidize everything, then like we can reverse aging or right. something like Which that. Which clearly has not worked yet because people are still dying. Right. And there have been some people who say maybe we should take toxins that will attack the mitochondria earlier in life. That doesn't sound... <laughs> right. It's counterintuitive. But in such a way that the mitochondria will recognize that they're damaged and then will put in extra work to repair themselves. Oh. So it's kind of like instead of this like so slow degradation where they don't really notice that they're getting damaged over time. Right. You're kind of reverse psychologying them. Right. And acute damage, and then they repair themselves. Okay. So I don't know. But one thing I will say about this particular point in the hallmarks of aging is that there is this animal. Right. This is one of my favorite cave dwellers. It's called... 
That's good. It's very European. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, like, oh, I met with my grandparents, Alman Olm. Yeah. The Olm, or the Proteus Anguinus, <laughs> also called the human fish. Oh. Is neither human nor a fish. It's a fucking cave salamander. That's pretty cool. And they have a pretty long lifespan considering their size. How long? Uh, jeez. I don't remember how long. I, I think it's like 20 years or something. Okay, but still pretty good given that they're little fuckers in a cave. Yeah, and salamanders don't normally live that long. Yeah. They like live unusually long for a salamander. Humans don't live that long in European caves. There's witches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's trolls. <laughs> Something's gonna, Something will eat you. He's not Lord of the Rings. What's interesting is that they do happen to live this long time, but they're a good counterexample to this oxidation theory because they have regular levels of oxidative stress. Their mitochondria go just as shitty as anybody else's mitochondria. And they're not eating vitamin C left and right. No, they are not. Yeah. There are no oranges getting rolled into these European caves. I didn't want to spell it out for an audience. <laughs> no. Okay, but that's true. They need to know. That's the reason. Um, but interestingly, these salamanders are an example of ones that feature neoteny, neoteny, neoteny? Maybe. It's the one where you keep child traits into adulthood. Like Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> or Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's petulant in that movie. <laughs> like uh, the, uh, what, what are those things called? Uh... Act- um, axolotls. They said actors. It's <laughs> <laughs> similar to axolotl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. The little, the other salamanders are kind of a weird type right. of animal in general, really. Right. But those are the little, little amphibians in Mexico. Right. And actually, some people think that humans are also examples of neoteny. Yeah. Okay, right. guys. Seven cellular, and this is a hot word: senescence. Yeah, senescence is a. Oh, you mean like hot sounding? No, well, both. It's hot sounding and it's kind of a hot topic. Right, exactly. And so basically what this is, is that so sometimes cells will enter into this state where they're basically chilling out. Uh, you know, they're just hanging out by the pool. They're not really working a job anymore. I don't pay cells to freeload like that. All right. Uh, what are they called? Neats? They're called welfare queens. Hikikomoris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're just sort of just like they're kind of riding it out. And when they enter into the state called senescence... It changes how they secrete stuff, what sorts of jobs and functions that they're doing. Gross. And it's usually triggered by certain kinds of damage that'll make it so that the cells don't really want to keep working and dividing because they're worried about their DNA. But it's not serious enough to make them kill themselves. Okay. So as time goes on, you kind of have more and more of these senescent cells just sitting around taking up space eating a little bit of glucose every once in a while, just kind of not doing their job properly. Right. And it's thought that if we could increase the clearance of these senescent cells, then the other cells around that are still doing their job will kind of fill up that space. They'll divide and make up for it. Dude, I swear, recently my entire asshole was senescent. (laughs) (laughs) I've been just like trying to shit. And I know I'm pushing. (laughs) But like my asshole, I mean the rim, is like, ah, I am working. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about the final two hallmarks. Woo! Hi, guys. This is Stacy Song. I'm a proud pet owner of a little leopard gecko named Bruce. And even though I love her, she's hard to read because she's a lizard. I never know her feelings except when she bites. But she never bites, so I never know how she feels. Luckily for me, Goop has a new line of mood crystals for pets. Just put one wherever your pet sleeps at night, and it will synchronize with its subconscious aura. It works because, well, Gwyneth says so. The crystal changes colors with your pet's mood. 
Now I know my little Bruce is always sleepy because the color is always green. Thanks to Goop Mood Crystals. So guys, listen to Stacy's song, as in me, and go to www.gooppcrystals.com and use the promo code PETRIDISH to get 10% off your Goop purchase. Okay, guys. Whoa! Now we're on eight. Stem cell exhaustion. Yeah, so stem cells are the main kinds of cells that will divide to make new cells in your body once you're an adult. They're famously also known as soul cells because they're the souls of a fetus. What the fuck? Well, isn't that why Republicans didn't want to use them or something? Oh, huh, maybe. Now that you mention it, maybe that's the only good reason that they could possibly have for it. Yeah. Anyway... Adult stem cells are the cells that are throughout your adult body that normally aren't dividing most of the time. But if they're needed, they can receive signals to start dividing to replace cells that you've lost. Once stem cells go kaput, like if you run out of stem cells in an area where you're supposed to have them in what's called a niche, a stem cell niche, then you're not going to be able to regenerate that tissue anymore. Okay, so why do some organs like livers have stem cells and then organs like hearts, which seem important? We just didn't give them stem cells. What's up with that? Or like brains. Why are brains all fucked? Right. Okay. So what I will say is that brains actually probably do have stem cells in some of their areas. God, it doesn't feel like it. (laughs) I need more of those fast. Well, so it's just for a very long time, we did think that like the heart, the brain was not capable of making new neurons once you were done going through development and childhood, basically. But then we saw Joe Biden change from the third to the fourth debate. (laughs) And we're we're like, there's stem cells somewhere. (laughs) He can learn. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so there are stem cells in the brain. Why there aren't stem cells in the heart versus any other kind of place? It's a good question. It's really not clear, you know, what the choice behind all of that would be. Your heart stands up surprisingly well, considering the fact that it's always beating all the time for your entire life until you're dead. Yeah, but until you're dead. And like sometimes that's because of the heart. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. But a lot of other things can give out first. That's true. <laughs> One thing I will say is that there is a thought that tissues that have more stem cells are more likely to have cancer. Hmm. Which is one of the reasons why there is pretty much not a heart cancer. It's like kind of not really an option as a primary tumor site. And that might be because there are no stem cells there. Huh. And so maybe there is this kind of balancing act again between like where you're willing to have the risk of cancer versus the desire for regeneration. Right. Heart cancer, bad. So maybe we don't want to risk the stem cells. Right. And, you know, I mean, the liver, it might be that the need for stem cells was so high that you were willing to accept the risk of cancer because the liver is where you're detoxifying a lot of shit. Early monkeys are just like getting drunk fucking constantly. (laughs) And then we evolved livers are like, oh, Nelly, we got to clear this out. And they were right. (laughs) And bone marrow. Bone marrow has a lot of stem cells to keep replenishing your blood and everything like that. Mm. So, you know, it's just some of these places you kind of really do need to have the stem cells. That's why marrow is so yummy. Uh, Has extra stem cells. It's because it's like sort of fatty in there. Yeah. Or anyway. So some animals don't ever lose their regenerative capacity. As in, they have stem cells in a lot of different places, and those stem cells never really seem to poop out. Sure. Okay? So, for example, there are these animals called planaria. They're a species of flatworm. And they have these cute little eye spot things. Mm-hmm. You guys want to look up a picture of a planaria. They're actually kind of cute. And they're interesting because, you know, they have organs. They have a body plan. 
right? But if you take them and you cut them up into a lot of different pieces, they'll regrow into planaria again. Okay. They're they're kind of infinitely regenerative, pretty much. So one of the ways you can use them in labs, like literally, instead of having to breed mice or something like that to make new mice, you can just take one planaria and chop it up into pieces, and then you'll have a bunch of planaria after a few days. Pretty useful. And it's sort of strange in a sense that, like, if you wanted to clone a planaria, all you have to do is cut it in half. Like, why is it able to have so much regeneration? What would we have to do to humans to get us to that place? Right. That's a really good question. It's It seems like a lot. It's the reason why planaria are studied in labs is because they want to know what is the pathway that helps these cells recognize how much was lost, what needs to be rebuilt, right? Why is it that, you know, you can lose a certain percent of a lobe of your liver and then have things kind of regrow back in, but you can't lose like any percent of your arm and have it regrow, right? I Um, mean, you know the answer, right, Sean? No. Midichlorians. Fuck. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but in the photo, in the very middle of the darker part, that's a midichlorian. (laughs) Each planaria has a little midichlorian in it, it. and that's canonical. Do you even like Star Wars? You know, I, I'm on and off. I kind of <laughs> liked The Mandalorian. Okay. And not for Baby Yoda, okay? I liked it, not before it was cool. <laughs> but I liked it without caring about Baby Yoda. Oh, I see, I see. I do think it's funny that after all these movies, Baby, Baby Yoda's doing The Force, and everyone's like, look at that black magic that Baby does. <laughs> and it makes sense. I mean, I actually appreciate it, like, in terms of the universe's lore. But it is also like, bros, <laughs> it's like three Disneyland resorts <laughs> and, like, and like 85 movies a year with The Force. You know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny in a dissonant way. Yeah, that's why it's fun. Okay, another example of a highly regenerative organism is this jellyfish. The Teropsis Dorini, mm. or Dorni, an ancient right. tribe who conquered Dorn. <laughs> it's an immortal jellyfish, or a squishy water phoenix, if you want to think about it that way. They basically go through this cycle of rebirth over and over again. Is squishy water phoenix is what you call it? Like, why is oh, it yeah, the, yeah, the no. way I want to think that's, about it? That's that's my name for it. Squishy okay. water phoenix. So these jellyfish have a life cycle. They go from being these little guys that are kind of polyps that will stick to the sea floor, and they'll look kind of like sea anemones. And then eventually they'll kind of detach from the sea floor, flip over, and then become jellyfish. Yeah, I've heard of these guys. And then they can just redo it. Yeah. Yes, they can. That's pretty cool. And they can do it over and over again if they want. And in the process, like if they're old and hurt in the jellyfish form, they can basically reverse their cells back into a stem cell state. So they're just like a goop of stem wow. cells, and then go back to being polyps and then jellyfish again. Damn. Okay, Hibba-dabba. number nine. Let's keep changing. Altered intercellular communication, guys. Yes, I think the big one here, the big, big one is inflammatory signaling, which increases as you get older. So as you get older, you're just Wait, kind what's of inflammatory signaling? Inflammatory signaling is sort of like when your immune cells, like your white blood cells and everything are sending out all of these little protein signals to each other to do things like give you an upset stomach and a fever and aches and pains and shit like that. Sort of like all the symptoms of a flu, really. Okay. And And that getting fucked up is a big part of aging. Yes. As you get older and older, you'll just have more spots that are inflamed. It's one of, you know, like your joints start hurting and shit like that. Right. Okay, sure. Like arthritis is an example of this. Right. Right. Yes. And we'll actually talk about arthritis and everything. And penal turgidity. Huh? No? What? Why? 
Why are you bringing up penile turgidity? Okay. You're not wearing pants. You need to keep that locked down. That's true. I'm not wearing pants. Yeah. Okay, so now I see you have like 18 pages of notes on naked mole rats. Yeah. What's up, Sean? What are you trying to say? Okay. Naked mole rats are like a really weird animal. And yeah. so the, they get used, they get tossed around as a model organism for aging to try to figure that shit out. But the more I read about them, the more weird they got. And so I, I just I got into a lot it. of notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know these naked mole rats, right? You know what they look like. They're kind of these. Uh, yeah, they're like they're like baggy pinkies. Yeah, cool. yeah. They don't, they don't have any With hair. Like fucking dirty front teeth. <laughs> they're more or less blind. They have very very low tolerance for UV radiation. Sure, they mostly live underground. Exactly. In Africa. But then they also have very very high tolerances for toxic compounds. Because you dig around the dirt, sometimes you eat a toxic I guess, compound. Yes. Yeah. Um. They sort of have these really different circulating metabolites, fatty acid levels, amino acid levels. Like, their bodies seem to go through metabolism in a way that's different from how we normally do it. So they have an increased level of short-chain fatty acids, which is something they get from their microbiome. Ketone diet. Maybe. Oh, really? I was just saying stuff. Uh, There's a certain aspect of their metabolites that's like sort of reminiscent of ketogenesis, but whatever. Damn, dude, keto is smart. (sighs) I don't like it. Um, Oh, you don't like it? Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So the thing is, rodents don't normally live very long. They'll usually live maybe like two to four years. That was the big problem with Redwall. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. But the thing is that naked mole rats live much longer than that, past their 30s. And they show almost no signs of aging until they're like 25 out of their 30, let's say. So that would be kind of like a human being being in sort of like preteen status until they were 64. And then very rapidly becoming as if they were like 80 years old. Yeah, Luke Perry. (laughs) Yeah, like Luke Perry. But I'm talking about humans more in general. And it's actually, it's a little complicated because I picked preteen as my example but most naked mole rats never mature sexually because they live in like a hive with like a queen, you know? So they're like ants, basically. Gross. Except they're rats, which is strange. But basically, they have this really weird aging curve where for most of their life, they don't really change very much. Right. Unlike us, where we kind of have this uh, sort of gradual but relatively linear change over time. We're like eh, changing, changing. We'll have these kind of spurts every once in a while, like growth, puberty and shit. Right. And then somewhere around the 40s or 50s. The aging kicks in. It starts coming in exponentially. Right. Our all-cause mortality starts really shooting off. Right. right? And so it would be interesting if we could sort of change our curve, too, to kind of keep it from going exponential for longer. Right. And maybe naked mole rats will have a clue to that. They also don't really seem to get cancer, which is interesting. That's super cool. A little weird. And they have all of these kind of liver proteins that are responsible for detoxification. So some people think maybe preventing these toxins from being around is something that has to do with aging. Hey, so what's an example of a toxin? Because, you know, like at work, people will be like, oh, I got to cleanse the toxins. And I'm like, it sounds all Dr. Strange lovey to me. Like, what's an actual toxin that like is a naturally occurring toxin that like a naked mole rat might eat and need to get cleared out? Naturally occurring toxin? You can end up eating bits of like ethanol or methanol or something like that like there's naturally occurring i mean i purposely eat all sorts of ethanol (laughs) and they get detoxified successfully okay so alcohol would be an example of a toxin right there there are also things that are like phenolic compounds and stuff stuff that like phenol uh, some plants might make dick that we wouldn't normally think very much of as toxins but to your body biologically might get treated as toxins what's an example 
Uh, basil. I mean, like, let's say limonene. The fuck is limonene? It's the thing that makes lemon smell kind of lemony. Oh, okay. Or That's like, interesting. Yeah, that, that kind of... So lemon is toxic. Well, it's just that particular compound gets broken down. It gets detoxified. I see. So, okay, that's interesting. Okay, so naked morats are really good at clearing that shit out. Yeah, yeah, they're really good at clearing that out. They're interesting. When we look in the context of a lot of these other hallmarks, I said, right? Because it's like, okay, they do this pretty good job with their aging. How does that compare to some of our other ideas, right? So, for example, they seem to have about the same number of senescent cells, but they put their cells into senescence mode earlier, than like compared to rats they have pretty high levels of reactive oxygen species so it doesn't seem like antioxidants really matter for them either huh. so all in all naked mole rats you know a little bit confusing but maybe studying them more like they're doing over there at alphabet i think the company's called calico that's like the company owned by alphabet that's okay naked mole rat research calico okay maybe they'll figure something out okay guys well if you're curious about the secrets of aging or about how all this applies ultimately to humans then you should check out our next episode on Aging Humans Edition. And also you should support our burgeoning research in naked mole rats on Patreon. <laughs> We're going to have all sorts of YouTube videos of Sean playing with naked mole rats and doing naked mole rat things and I, dressing I, up. And I wish that were true. Queen. But I don't get to play with naked mole rats. Anyway, patreon.com slash dish. That was good, Nathan. Sign up. And then we have Twitter, at Dish Podcast. Talk. You can email us at petridishpod at gmail.com. should say thank you to Stacy. Thank you. And thank you to Brian Allen, the art man. And thank you to you guys, our listeners. Ich benign science. See you next time. Benign science.